Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Dr. Chai, Zimbabwean-born and LA-based artist and producer. Enjoy this fascinating conversation. Dr. Chai, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Hey, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Tell me, how, how long have you been away from Zimbabwe? It's too long. <laughs> <laughs> Every day feels like a day too long, but I left in, I think I finished my high school in 2009 at St. George's. And then I went over to, to uni for England for three to four years. And then, but I'd be coming home, you know, like you do for the summers and for the holidays and that sort of thing. And then I made the move to LA in 2014. So yeah, so it's, it's been some time now. I'm, I'm very excited to be talking to you. I mean, you are making waves and making us very proud um uh, in la as far as uh music is concerned so first of all you've been nominated twice uh for grammy uh producer and, and writer that must be amazing congratulations that must be amazing so talk to me about the first uh um grammy nomination what was that for so the first grammy nomination was for a song called hema uh, that I produced with um, fellows involved in actually Bantu. And it was a song for the Fast and Furious soundtrack um, with Jay Balvin, Camilla Cabello, and Pitbull. And it was a song that we had originally made. Actually, it was an, inspired by an Afrobeat song. And we thought to ourselves, oh, you know, it would be cool now that Afro started to come in to do something with some marimba and some pira and, and something like that. And as music tends to go, the people that liked the song that we wrote were these massive artists in the latin community so the song went from being this afro idea to sort of evolving and going through the creative process and becoming a reggaeton song and you know when we made it we just thought okay we're making a song that we love and it's a song that we're excited about but we had no idea that it would end up getting nominated for a latin grammy or you know going on becoming a radio song or that sort of thing so that one is a really special one because it kind of really showed me that even your smallest of ideas or even those the small dreams or the small kind of moments can really turn into something magical, you know, if, the, if it's worded the right way. Tell me, what is it about that song? Um, do you think made it uh, uh, so popular with so, with so many people? As you were making it and when you look back now, what is it about that song? What, what did you put in there that made everybody... <laughs> that special sauce. No, I think... You know, the truth is, I think I'm, I'm really big on the message of joy and having a good time and enjoyment. And I think that a lot of music, um, you know, either, you know, there has its purposes. Maybe it's you feel sad, maybe you're going through a breakup or maybe it's mellow or this. But that one, uh, we managed to successfully capture the essence of joy in the beat. It's upbeat, it has Afro influences, it has Latin influences. And I think it's, it was one of the few songs at the time that managed to just be a, a song about a really, really good time and also feel that way. 
And, you know, a lot of the lyrics didn't have, there was no profanity in the lyrics. It was just, you know, about dancing. And there's a part in the song that goes, hey, mama, hey, mama, hey, mama, hey, mama. And so when we wrote it, we wrote it kind of, you know, what we do back home with the chant. It's, hey, mama, hey, mama, almost like Chipao or Mambazo or something. But when the Latin guys heard it, they thought, ah, this is ours too, because we also say, hey, mama, hey, mama, hey, mama. <laughs> so then it ended up becoming by mistake something that a lot of people managed to relate to. So the Africans wow. were like, ah, this is ours. And they were like, this is also ours. And, you know, it just took on a life of its own. T tell me about when, when you heard the news that it had been nominated for a Grammy. What was your response like? You know, Trevor, it's one of those things where I think as a child, you have all these dreams of, you know, that's one of the things that goes on your vision board. If you desire to be a musician or a producer, you say, ah, one day I'd really love to be nominated for a Grammy. And I think you work so hard and you do all these things and, you know, you never make something with the intention of being nominated. And so when it eventually does happen, it's such an emotional moment because it's also one of those things you can call home to, to my man and say, ah, oh, we got nominated for a Grammy, you know, <laughs> when you're making music, you know, it's, it's such an elusive, intangible thing that you don't always get those moments to call home and say, ah, no, this is happening like this or this is going on. It's very, um, you know, it's very intangible. And so when you get nominated for a Grammy, it's so emotional because it feels like an uh, an award, not just for you, but it's it's for the parents that supported you, especially my parents who have always been incredibly supportive. And so it feels like a, a massive milestone. And, you know, it, it definitely, it's emotional and you're excited, but it does give you a sense of, you know, you're here to achieve something greater. And, you know, you have an, an opportunity and a special opportunity to push culture forward and to be a representative. And so, it's something that's exciting, but it's also something that I don't take very lightly. And so it, it was a very emotional experience for me and, you know, very, very blessed to be able to, to have that. I'm blessed to be talking to you. I mean, a, a, a young man who's done a, a song that has featured, that has been, that is, is excited people. I mean, am I blessed to what? And of course, we're, of course we're so proud. We're so proud of you. Um, then you. the second Grammy nomination. Talk to me about that, Dr. Chai. Uh, the second one was for a song called Familiar. Um, this one was for the Spider-Man soundtrack. And um, I also did this one with uh, Bantu, who I grew up with back home too. And this one is interesting because, again, it was a song that ended up having a massive Latin artist on it. And I just said, ha, I don't know what it is about Africans and Latinos. Maybe we get along. Maybe we were like the same things. We just can't escape these guys. But um, that one is a really special one because it was for the Spider-Man movie. But the Spider-Man movie that it ended up in was um, the new animation Spider-Man. And it was the first Black Latino Spider-Man. And so culturally speaking, it was a really special one to be a part of because it was the first time a lot of people of culture were able to have a superhero portrayed in their image. And the song, you know, was used in like a scene where the kid is growing up and he has his dream and this and that. And so that one is very special because, you know, even for us growing up, at least in my age group, we didn't really see a Spider-Man that looked like us or a superhero that looked like us. So to even be a part of that narrative or even be in that uh, conversation or helping your little way to push something like that forward was really special. So that one was, was a really great moment.
well done, well done. Very, very proud of you. So some Thank of you. your some of your credits, uh, Dr. Chai, include, uh, you know, Jason Derulo. I mean, I love Jason Derulo. Trumpets, <laughs> trumpets. You do huh? trumpets. Uh, Chris hey. Brown. My favorite from Chris Brown is uh, "Back to Sleep." Uh, <laughs> my favorite, my favorite from uh, Pete Bull is Pete Bull and Neil. Um, wow. Then Show Paul, uh, Nicki Minaj, uh, Maroon 5. I love Maroon 5, particularly moves <laughs> like Jagger. <laughs> talk, to me about, talk to me about all those guys and, and what it means like to, to, to be working with them, uh, Dr. Chai. You know, it's one of those things that it doesn't really get old. I think every day you wake up and you pinch yourself and you say, wow, is, let, let <laughs> is this really you, happening? Let, let me remind you. You are a young man from Zimbabwe, <laughs> and you're working with that. Uh, you're working with these guys: Nicki Minaj, Sean Paul. People. Come on, man! Talk to me about this stuff. <laughs> I love that you said. Let's just go back again. Let me rewind. I just, just rewind, Let me rewind this stuff. You. You, I think you're not getting something here. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, it's 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 shocking every time. And, you know, it's one of those things that never gets old. It's like every time something happens, it just you wake up and it feels like the first time. And every time, because these are a lot of artists that I grew up listening to and grew up looking up to. And, you know, I remember my first the first song I ever produced for an artist was a song called Sh uh, No Life for Sean Paul and Dua Lipa. Wow. And funny story, just a few months prior to that, I'd gone to a, a Sean Paul concert with my brother, actually. And it was the concert where there was a time Sean Paul came to Zimbabwe. And it was for, it was at, was it at Rufaro? I can't remember which stadium he, he, he went to. And I just remember it was Sean Paul and Akon. And me and my brother went. And, you know, my parents were saying, ah, you know, you guys, it's going to be late. My son, I'm okay. And it was a whole thing. And I just remember saying to my brother, we have to go to watch Sean Paul. And we eventually we made it. We bought our tickets. We went there and we were just sitting there. And we, just, we had the best time, just as you can imagine, Zimbabweans in their dance hall. And I remember just watching him. And, and then I was talking to my brother. I was like, wow, you know, one day, you know, it would be great, you know, to work with these people. And he looked at me and he said, ah, you know, one day you work with these people. And, you know, you, you look at each other and you're just dreaming, you're being kids. And, I mean, we weren't really kids, but, you know, you're still just fantasizing about things. And maybe less than a year later, um, I managed to produce this song for Sean Paul. And I remember when I heard the news just breaking down in tears because I wow. just remembered that moment. And I remembered wow. how special that one was to me. And so, you know, every, every single song is special for different reasons in its own ways. And, um, you know, every, every morning you wake up and you, and you don't take it for granted to have these opportunities. So, no, it's, it's been incredible. So, so how did you actually get the Sean Paul deal? How, how do you describe to us how these things happen? So, you know, with music, it's interesting because every single situation happens differently. But for that one, it was a beat that I had made. And so a beat is where it would be everything without, for anyone who doesn't really know how it works, it's, it's imagine the song, but without yes. the vocals, the singing. So it's just the beat. And so... I'd been working on beats. It was it was early in my time in LA, and, I, and you'd just be putting together beats. And what you do is you'd send them around speculatively to people, and you just hope you know something sticks. Maybe something happens, 
And nine times out of 10, maybe you don't get an email back and, you know, but you just, you know, you're trying to operate in faith as much as you can, just cold emailing people. And I remember something funny happened when I was on the, uh, uh, I was just on the couch working and it was the Twitter days. And this producer that I looked, really looked up to, I still do, called Sermstar, just tweeted his email address. And I happened to see within maybe 10, 15 seconds of him tweeting it. So I said, ah, let me just send this guy some music. So I sent him some beats. And 10 minutes later, he responded, I love these. These are great. I said, ah, you love these? I said, okay, all right. Well, what happens now? And so, you know, eventually he invited me over to the studio. I said, oh, I met him. You know, we really hit it off. He's a wonderful guy. And he said, you know, just keep sending me things. I said, ah, you know, I just thought something spectacular would happen from this meeting. But it wasn't really what I thought of you. So he said, no, when you go home, keep working and send me some things. So I went home that night. And I worked off the steam of, you know, the, 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 the meeting we had had. And I sent him some beats that day. And less than maybe 10 hours after that, it was that night, he called me around 3 a.m. Now I was asleep. I don't really know anyone in LA. And he says, you wouldn't believe what's going on. So I said, huh? I was like, is this guy in trouble? And he just put the phone up and he pressed play. And all I hear is Sean Paul singing on the beat that I had sent him earlier that day. Wow. And so now I say, is this, what's going on here? Is this some kind of joke? Is this, what do I do? Am I, do I come there? Should I just go back to sleep? What happens now? And so he just says, no, he loves it. I played it for him. And he's writing to you, doing his thing. He's, ah, dirty ball, whatever he says. And then um, the next day he called me. He said, well, the song is finished. And so you should come and we should work on it. So we can now take Sean Paul's vocals and really work around it. And I had never done anything like this at this point. So wow. we were just kind of, he was teaching me as we go. And so that song, it ended up being the case that at the time, Sean Paul didn't have a label. He hadn't put out music for a long time. But something really miraculous happened when he called and he said, you guys, I love this song so much. And I want it to be my first single as my comeback. And even though I don't have a label, I love it so much that I want to buy it and pay for it out of pocket just so that we can move forward somehow. And so in a few short weeks, he puts out the song. And they say, oh, we want to get this woman, this girl called Dua Lipa to sing the, the song. And at the time, we said, who's Dua Lipa? Who's this girl he keeps talking about? And so flash forward, the song comes out. We're all kind of excited, but don't have any expectations. And it just blows all our minds what happens. It goes UK top 10. It's doing incredible on the radio. It becomes Dua Lipa. It's also one of her breakout songs. And really becomes the song that sort of changed my life and allowed me wow. to become a professional musician, so to speak. So that one was the, the, the mystery of, of, of Twitter. <laughs> but it, it, it's uh, uh, Dr. Cha, it's the mystery of Twitter, but it's the mystery of, uh, it's the product of your perseverance. Thank you. Product of your being adventurous uh, and, and hardworking because it couldn't have happened if you didn't have the beats, if you mm. didn't have the tenacity and the hard work that you put in it to make the beats as attractive as they were. Thank you. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing with music because you, you, you're sort of working in reverse. You know, you have these things in mind and you hope these things will happen and you have to create with the belief that these things will turn into something. And so every time they do, it sort of spurs you on. So, you know, every time you wake up and maybe you write a song or you make a beat, you have no idea if that song will change somebody's life, if that song 
will not do anything. <laughs> if that's yeah. all, will never get heard. And but every day you wake up and you write and you create and you you just show up and you keep doing the work. So anytime those things connect and those things happen, it's 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 definitely an incredible feeling. Sorry, your um, uh, encounter with, with uh, Sean Paul. What about Chris Brown? Um, wh what was that experience like? What motivated the inspiration and what you got out of it? <laughs> that, that one is, 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 a, is, a, is one of my favorite ones because it's actually, it was inspired by, largely by Zim Dancil. And, um, you know, I've listened to a lot of Killer T, Winky D, Freeman, all these guys. And you know, Zim Danso always has the, the bass line just you know, and I was listening to this, and and I think one of the things I'm always trying to do is find ways to bridge the gaps between music that inspired me growing up or, or whatever's going on in the musical scene back home and with whatever I'm creating and what I'm experiencing. And so I was listening to a lot of Zim Danso like we like we all used to usually do. And I start came up with this bass line, and so it kind of goes, kum, 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 kum. and it's like this guitar. And it started with just kind of saying, "What, what if Zim Dan if Chris Brown was kind of on a Zim dance hall song? What would that sound like?" And so that was kind of the inspiration for that. So it started around this guitar and this bass sound, and you know that started to happen. Started putting in some percussions and some more other sounds to make it kind of the more dance holy and, and something you know very danceable too and that one's very special because sometimes you have these ideas in your mind of ah, you know one day i want to make a song that has been like does this and that and you have all these ideas and you come to find how difficult it is to get that over the line or the red tape that happens or you know someone could be in the studio and say ah take out that sound you're like ah that's my favorite sound <laughs> so you know that one was for some reason that that slipped under the radar and the song became uh, what it was in, 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 the, in, the, in the top line or, or the vocal part. We sampled a, a classic dancehall song um, called Turn Me On by Kevin Little. And so now all of a sudden you have Chris Brown singing this, a part of this Kevin Little song to what's sort of like a Zim dancehall bass line. And for anyone who, who enjoys Zim dancehall or grew up, you know, looking looking up to or listening to Chris Brown, it was just a, a magical combination of things that managed to happen. Wow. And, so, and what is the song called? What is what is the song called? It's called Questions. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, wow. it's called Questions. Beautiful, beautiful, isn't it? The what you relate and what's going through my mind when you're sitting where you're sitting right now. Your creative juices, your creative juices are running and pumping, and you're saying, "This is going to be amazing." And then your creativity meets reality. Where Trevor mm. says, oh, no, I don't like this one. Uh, <laughs> I actually, actually like this, which you didn't think was going to be was going to be uh, that big." Does that happen more of, often? It does. I think one of the things I realized is that you know you have all these ideas, but at the end of the day, music is such a collaborative process. And you have to interact and engage with humans constantly, you know, whether it be to create, whether it be to, to get things over the line. 
And so you end up learning to pick your battles a little bit. So for example, that baseline meant a lot to me. So, you know, had it been the case that maybe someone didn't like it, I, I might say, ah, but guys, you know, maybe we should think about this. <laughs> but then it happens sometimes, you know, someone else might, you know, you might be in a room writing together or collaborating and someone might have a suggestion that it might not necessarily be what you would wake up and think of, but for the greater purpose of us all, writing a song that we you know want to reach a certain place or to feel it might not that might not be the thing you want to veto that day or that yeah. might not be the thing you want you know so it does happen um but i think with the more time that goes by the more experience you have your tastes also begin to align with the tastes of a lot of these people and the tastes of popular music. So it, it definitely tends to happen less, but I, every now and then you, you, you get some friction that you're not prepared for. It's very humbling. <laughs> it's, it's humbling and, and, and you're, you're, you're comfortable to compromise because there's still bits of you left in the bit, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think, you know, it's a, it's a bit like cooking, isn't it? And, you know, maybe yeah. you come with your spice over here and someone else comes and says, no, I think we should cook it at 350 degrees. And maybe you usually cook it at 400. But, you know, at the end of the day, when someone eats it, they're not eating it thinking what temperature was this cooked at, you know? <laughs> and so from you, from a production point of view and a creation point of view, you tend to be very micro in the things that you look at and you forget sometimes that, at the end of the day, it's real people who listen and interface to this music and they're not thinking about some of the things that maybe you're caught up about in the studio. And so, yeah, it's a constant back and forth of trying to remind yourself that, you know, at the end of the day, you're not the one who listens to the music that you make. <laughs> you're not the one who buys the music, eh? <laughs> uh, you're not the one who buys it. <laughs> so, talk to me now. Why Dr. Chai? Because your uh, given name I had to, to look for your father to get your, your real name and get, your <laughs> and get out your birth certificate uh, because I couldn't find your real name anywhere. I'm sure he loved that. He, he loved it, absolutely. So you were born Philip Tendai uh, Campbell uh, yes, and your, your mom and dad call you Peep. Why Dr. Chai? Talk to us about why you, you decided to call yourself Dr. Chai. <laughs> you know, that's a funny story. I'm glad you asked. But so, you know, as I was transitioning, into my artistry, kind of moving away from the production career, you know, I realized, I was like, ah, you know, artists have names, you know, Beyonce has Beyonce, and you know, and Jay-Z has Jay-Z, and you know, I think I need a cool name, I'm like, should I just go by, by Philip Campbell, I was like, I don't really see this working, and so, you know, thinking about names, like, maybe what should I call myself? And I remembered, I was like, oh, well, my mom was one of the doctors in the family. So <laughs> oh, that's a good place to start. <laughs> just, just throw a doctor at the front there. And then, and then I, I watch a lot of uh, African movies. And, you know, I, 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 I like to, you know, look, study a lot of and watch a lot of videos from like different African cultures. And there's this saying that, you know, a lot of West Africans say it. So some Southern Africans say it, but. Sometimes you see something, you say, ah, chai! <laughs> and it's just an expression of shock. And you know, it can just mean anything. You can see something good and you might say, chai! Or you see something shocking, you say, chai! And so I thought, you know, that's really funny. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I like to think that my music is is filled with joy and, and, and energy. So I thought to myself, oh, what about chai? Dr. Chai has a ring to it. Let's try. <laughs> and, and, and it's stuck. 
It really did. So talk, you, you, you touched uh, briefly there, Dr. Chai, about your, your music. Describe your music to us. Describe your music to us. So my music, I would say, is very joyful, vibrant. I, I like to call it Afro-enjoyment. And the whole thing is, as a person, one of my life's philosophies is I, I strongly believe that everybody has the right to experience joy no matter what they're going through, despite circumstances. And I think music has an incredible ability to, to short-circuit some of the issues that we have or, you know, whatever we're going through. You can, have, you can have two minutes of a good time or you can have two minutes of just forgetting something. And so to me, I'm really passionate about that because I think that with joy and, the, and, and you know, the ability to spread it, it comes with, you know, being able to, to have hope for the future and being able to have vision. And so, you know, in, in the world is a very difficult place. And I think a lot of people go through what they go through. And to me, I know when I listen to music, I listen to it as an escape. Or I listen to it to be encouraged. Or I listen to it to feel good. And so that's something that, as a message, that I always want to spread in my music. But so even if it's not lyrically, it's just feeling that way. It's the movement. It's the dancing. And so that's, that's very much how I would describe it. Fantastic. So tell me, is, is Busy Body out? It was supposed to be out uh, summer 22. Is it out? Yes, Busy Body is out. The, the bodies are currently getting busy. <laughs> <laughs> How is it doing? It's, it's, it's in your, uh, what do you call it, Minister of Enjoyment. Is, this, is it still the title you gave it? Yes, exactly. So my, my EP is called Minister of Enjoyment, kind of with what I'm talking about, just pushing the, the culture of joy, having a good time, having fun and, you know, not taking life too seriously in the ways that you can. And um, so Busy Body is the uh, first single from that EP. And it's very, I'm a piano driven, you know, it's very inspired by a lot of the sounds that are coming out of Southern Africa right now. But it's also trying again to fuse kind of some of the global things that are happening with what's going on back home. So it's, 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 it's a song that I'm really, really proud of and really excited about. And I, I think the, the, the name says, says it all, that the, the, the bodies yeah. are definitely getting Busy busy. <laughs> and and we're, going to, we're going to go into uh, the festive season. I'm sure bodies are going to be busy all over the place. Uh, and, and that's the plan. And you know, you know when, I, when, I, when I was making the song, I, that's what I was envisioning. I was envisioning <laughs> December. In, in, in Harare somewhere or South Africa somewhere, and people just just, just doing absurd things. <laughs> what, what's, what, I, what I love about you, uh, Dr. Chai, is that you're sitting in LA, but I hear you talking on my piano. I, see you, I hear you talking dance hall. So you're not creating something completely new. You're fusing what has got you there, which is dance hall, I'm a piano, uh, you're now uh, tapping into the Latin American market. Talk to mm -hmm. me about that, that very, very advantageous point where you're sitting right now. I think it's interesting, right? I'm, I'm glad you asked that, actually, because I think as as a Zimbabwean, and I'm sure uh, people of different cultures who live in the diaspora can relate to this, I think you're constantly faced with a little bit of an identity crisis sometimes, you miss home, but you're not quite home. You know, maybe in my case, my parents are home and my family's home, but you're in a foreign country and you're constantly trying to find different ways to connect with your roots or to connect with your people or to interface. You know, it's not always necessarily that realistic in your day-to-day -day life because at the end of the day, you are where you are. 
But I think music provides a really special opportunity to do that. And so that's something that's, you know, always been heavy on my heart because it's an experience that's very real to me, to, you know, if if all things had been equal, perhaps we would all be home making music at home, you know. But I think in, in you know, looking for opportunities in different places, Zimbabweans are all over the world. And I think that there's so many of us who have a similar story, who, you know, so proud to be Zimbabwean, but maybe aren't able to be home. or so proud to be Zimbabwean, but maybe are a little bit out of touch, but still, you know, dying to, to, to be able to connect in some ways. And so that's something that I like to do with my music, with the sounds and that sort of thing. So it's like if, you, if, if you're in London, if you're in Dubai, if you're in this, you can still hear some 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 uh, some Zimbabweanisms in there. Fantastic. So you have also performed alongside some of us, some of Africa's uh, biggest artists like uh, Fireboy, uh, Joeboy, mm -hmm. Daju. Uh, talk to me. Describe the mood of working with uh, one or two of those. What's the mood like? What's the experience like? Talk to me about that. That one is, you know, I'll, I'll talk about my uh, my Fireboy experience because that that one is a <laughs> and again a special time for me but you know when i was growing up in zimbabwe i, I you know I, I traveled and we traveled as a family but i i never i've never been to nigeria and i think sometimes you start to meet africans from different places and the cultures are so fascinating and the personalities are so fascinating and so when i met with fireboy i just remember thinking wow <laughs> You are hilarious <laughs> as such <laughs> an, an incredible person. I was like, ha, ah, are all you Nigerians like this? What, what's why? I was like, ha, ah, maybe I need to go and try to let go. Just, just see what's you, going you're, on. You're cranking me up as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, I, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but you're really funny. And so, you know, I guess Africa is a massive place. And so <laughs> working with them and, and performing with them were, were, was, was a very unique way to experience, you know, some, some of the Nigerian culture. But the show and was where amazing. Where was this? Where was this, uh, Dr. Chai? Where did you perform? So this was in Seattle. In Seattle, okay. Yep. So he was now on tour and he was performing on his uh, tour in Seattle. And I had the opportunity to go and open for him and, 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 and perform at the show. And at the time that he was doing the show, he had had uh, a UK number one and his song Peru with Ed Sheeran was sort of skyrocketing and was kind of the biggest crossover Afrobeat song in the world. So now all of a sudden I find myself in the mix in this part of, of this war wow. that's going on in his career and coming to sing for, for all these people. And it was such an incredible experience because I hadn't experienced um, that many people with such an appetite for Afrobeat and an appetite for, for, you know, for the sort of music that we've been making because it's, it's very recent, you know, the global impact that Afro is having. And so that experience was mind-blowing because he had a full arena, he had a full uh, place with, with the place was just shaken with Africans, with Americans and all sorts of people, people singing word for word. And so kind of coming out of there and being able to, you know, because we make our music in studios, but having the opportunity to, to perform for people and share that energy and actually experience it in, in real life was, it, it was an, an incredible, incredible thing. Mm. I'm going to run down now your, 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 some of your work, which uh, I, I, I like. Um, before we started, I was actually dancing to get <laughs> yeah. uh, you. You know, dancing in um, there. Uh, featuring uh, Kida Kuds and Big Tobs. 
which reached uh, number 14 on the uh, official UK Afrobeat charts and received airplay from BBC, Kiss FM, and Capital FM. Then Casanova made it to number one on Trace Africa and MTV Base Africa um, and became the most successful video of, two th of 2020. Then Bongo, <laughs> which was premiered by uh, Ebro on Beach Radio and playlisted on Apple. Um, and you did a video in Cuba. Uh, mm -hmm. Then it, it's been featured on M MT MTV Base uh, and Trace. Talk to me about those three. Which one is your favorite there? I, my, my mind, like I said, is, is dirty. I love it. Hey. Talk to me about your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dirty is a funny one. That's actually my favorite because of the things that happened around it. It's my mother's least favorite because of the <laughs> subject matter. <laughs> but I said so. <laughs> Ah, my mom doesn't acknowledge that song, but but basically, you know, "Dirty" was was an, an uh, is one of my favorite songs because it was the first song of mine in my artistry that charted on the official UK charts, and you know, it was streaming really well, and it it broke a lot of of milestones for me as in my career, and also you know just the features that were on the song, and it was one of those songs that. Uh, it came out and, and you know, it, it got a lot of support very early. And so it was amazing to experience what, what it's like when the song doesn't necessarily grow slowly, but it's sort of very instant as far as it was on the radio. It was on TV a lot. And, and, and you know, it ended up charting in the UK, which was for my artistry an incredible thing. And um, Casanova, uh, just to say, <laughs> is another one that for... <laughs> You know, it's a song that's really about a, a guy who's, you know, saying, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm done with, with all this fooling around and this tomfoolery. I'm ready to, to, to settle down with, with my uh, potential suitor. And um, <laughs> I just love that one because it's a cheeky, fun song about, you know, I think something that a lot of people experience. But it was my first song that was very Afrobeats and very dancey, but you know, talks about kind of a romantic subject. So that one is a very special one to me as well. Mm. The, the other one that I absolutely love is uh, Jackie Chan. And I really want you to <laughs> tell us what the story behind this uh, is. Um, I love the video. Uh, it it features uh, Bantu and appears on the FIFA 19 soundtrack. I mean, that <laughs> is absolutely awesome. It has now garnered 7 million streams on Spotify. 2 million streams on Apple Music and 2 million on YouTube. That's massive. Talk to me about that, that project. So Jackie Chan was a song Bunton and I made. Actually, you know, it started as a joke because we make music a lot all the time. And so we said, oh, you know what? We watch a lot of a lot of kung fu movies growing up. We were making a song. We were like, what if we call a song Jackie Chan? So oh, that, that could be cool. That would be interesting. <laughs> so we're making stuff and he's we're working in the studio and uh, we sing something. He said, Jimmy with the Jackie Chan. And I started <laughs> laughing. So I said, Jackie Chan. And so in the song, you can actually hear me laughing. <laughs> in the background, somebody you just hear me just laughing. <laughs> I'm just like, this is this is ridiculous. And so we continue, we're working on this song and we end up making this song that we absolutely love and love so much that we just decided, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. We're just going to continue with this song as if it's going to be the biggest song in the world. And so we went, we said, you know, we should shoot a music video for this song. I, we were just uh, fooling on. 
And we just said, you know, let's let's go and you know shoot the video in New York. I said, yeah, let's go. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, we've never been there before. <laughs> it was freezing. We get there in some something degrees. We say, yeah, no, we must, we must, you know, just in case it's seen by people all over the world. <laughs> just, and so we go, we shoot this video. We come back, we say, oh wow, okay, yeah, let's put out the song. Yeah, we're excited. So it's about to be the biggest song of our lives. We put the song out, and for one month, Trevor, nothing happened. <laughs> It was crickets for so long. We just looked at each other like, ah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not really what I was hoping for. And so one day I get a call and it was from my publisher and he said, hey, you know, you have this song called Jackie Chan. I said, oh yeah, Jackie Chan. And I say, you know, EA Sports just got in contact with us and they really love the song and they want to put it in their new FIFA video game. I said, hey, wow. I said, FIFA. Wow. Said, what FIFA are you talking about? <laughs> and so then, it, you know, I, I thought it was some kind of joke. I, was, I wasn't sure. I, I thought, I said, if this is one of my friends playing a joke on me, this is a very bad joke. And so it wasn't a joke. And eventually they, they, they kind of say, okay, we love the song. We want to be in the game. Can you do this? And they had all these deliverables. And they put it in the video game. And the song ended up becoming the most streamed song from that game, it ended up kind of going viral. And, you know, as a result, the video that had had no views <laughs> that we had shot in New York ended up kind of going viral too, because people going from the game to YouTube. And it, it's, it was a special one because we really should just shot that like two kids who were running around in a backyard somewhere. And so to see where it ended up, and um, it was actually my first song as an artist as well. And so, wow. you know, it's such a, so, such a blessing. What, what a story. What a story, uh, Dr. Chai. What, what does that teach you? J just freeze for a moment and take yourself back to those crazy moments. You're running to New York. You're gonna, you, you've never been to New York. <laughs> and you do this thing. You do it after a month. Nothing happens. Crickets in the garden, Z. Um, <laughs> what, what, what does that teach you about life? You know, it's funny, I, I get emotional when I talk about some of these songs because of, of the question you asked. And I think one of my key takeaways is that sometimes God speaks to you and, you know, sometimes you have your doubts. And I think, you know, because he speaks to everyone in their own ways, you know, sometimes you, you, you doubt the voice. Sometimes you're not sure. Sometimes you say, ah, should you really go to New York and shoot this video? And I think it's incredible to see sometimes what can happen if you can just hold on to that little bit of faith or hold on to that word. And even if, you know, a lot of the time, especially with music, things don't really, it, it, it happens very suddenly. And so it can look like nothing for a long time, but it was such a lesson to, to really treasure every idea that you have and to really nurture all the little dreams that you have and all the little seeds that you have. Because, you know, all these massive trees started off as just little seeds. And that song is, is an example of that. So, you know, even though the song started as a joke, now we, we sort of, you know, take the, the creative process very seriously. Because say, eh, you, you just never know. <laughs> Maybe God's talking a man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this could be the one. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think for me, for me, from what you're saying, essentially, trust yourself. Mm. Trust yourself. Absolutely. One, trust the process to three trust the creativity your mm -hmm. own creativity and 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 stay connected to yourself because it yeah. comes from you but if you don't pay attention you're going to miss it 
100%. And I think in music too, you know, that's such a good point. Um, he just reminded me. You can have such an imposter syndrome thing that happens where you say, Hi, am, I, am, I, am I good at this? You know, is this, you know, it's a, it's a very, because it's a, it's a craft that's connected to you. So there isn't really a moment in which you can detach. It's not really an office you can go to and leave and then go home. And so sometimes your emotional experiences with the music or whatever you're going through in your life can affect your ability to, to really appreciate what's going on. And so at the, I think you're absolutely right. Just kind of, you know, being able to trust yourself and, and you know, trusting the process. Dr. Cha, your, your dad, uh, Freeman, is a good friend of mine. Um, your mom, Naomi, who do you take after? I don't think your father, because your father is a chartered, is a boring chartered accountant. <laughs> who do you take after? He's going to love this. You know, it, it's funny you should ask that. But growing up, um, you know, my dad would always play so much music from so many different one day it would be Thomas Mafumo, one day it would be Cindy Lopo, one day it would be Coplay, and one day it would be Tuku. It was just so much, there was always so much music in the house. And I think it was only later that I realized just how musical he actually is. I hate to admit wow. this to him, actually, but I don't wow. really tell him this all that often. I don't but believe that. But anyway, I know. <laughs> but so it's, it's actually one of the reasons why I started, you know, being interested in music in the first place because I'd be around all these songs, he'd play all these things. And, you know, we, some, some of the songs I didn't love, some of the songs I loved, but he definitely made sure that the exposure was there. And so by the time I went to, to school, you know, I was kind of interested in choir or the marching band or the this because, you know, he'd always be, <laughs> be playing all kinds of music in the car. And then my mom, um, you know, she, I'd say she's less musical but she would always, you know, be in Rwazano. You know, she's one of those moms who just sings around the house. I mean, she just she just be cooking and humming around and just, as you can imagine, that's just the, the classic. And so, you know, somewhere along the way, even though they don't play instruments, I, I, I grew up in a household that was actually around a lot of music. And so I remember I used to, you know, I used to steal a lot of my dad's CDs. I haven't admitted this before, so this might indict me, uh -oh. but at least I'm not there right now, but I'd take the CDs, I'd study them, I'd, I'd make music around and that sort of thing. So a lot of the, the CDs that went missing are probably the reason I managed to, <laughs> to have a career in music. <laughs> so sorry, Dad. <laughs> so as I was looking at your, um, you went to Hadman Primary School, you mm -hmm. went to St. George's, um, and you eventually got a, 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 a marketing and advertising degree uh, from uh, Lancaster uh, and then a marketing management uh, first class again from Lancaster. And I was, I was imagining your mom and dad um, saying <laughs> to you, uh, saying to you, uh, yeah, I think you need to have an education <laughs> so that you have something... <laughs> So that you have something for, to fall back on. Because Nyadzuma guitar is, you know. Yeah, you can is, is, is that it? Is that the conversation you had? 
you know, it, it was in the subtext, <laughs> and uh, I think it was it was never it, it, it was always sort of implied. And I mean, they've always been really uh, supportive of my music. Even when I was uh, at St George's, I'd always come home, I'd make beats. You know, I'd always be making songs with my friends and going to perform them. And you know, anytime they had a little a high school pageant of some kind or any, anything that was going on at school, we'd always be performing and rapping. But they always sort of, they always encouraged it and, and, and always sort of supported my music. And so by the time I went to uni and did marketing, you know, it's actually, I, I didn't really have a desire to go and study music, actually, because I'm not necessarily the most musical musician. I just think I, 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 I'm musically inclined and love music, but I don't think I necessarily wanted to go and study, you know, necessarily making music. I think it's an incredible thing to do. But at the stage that I was at, you know, I was really looking forward to going to do, you know, a degree. And I, 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 was, I was a bit of a, the, the, I had a nerd in me in school too. So I was really looking forward to, to the academia side of it. And so by the time I went, you know, I, I really enjoyed my marketing degree and I, I enjoyed that whole thing. But the deal was always kind of, it was just an unwritten rule we had that, you know, keep doing your, the, the, the school thing and, and we won't bother you about the music. And so I didn't really say anything. But that rhythm seemed to work for us. <laughs> and I just continued. So, you know, then by the time I did my master's, I think we spoke about it. I said, okay, guys, I mean, can I go and give this, this LA thing a, a try? And I yeah. was really worried about the conversation. And they just sort of looked at me and they said, you know, if it's your passion, you know, we'll, we'll support you in the meantime while you go. And if it works out, you can stay. If it doesn't work out, then you come home and you, and you carry on with the life that, that, that you were supposed to. And then uh, it worked out. And so I'm, I'm really grateful to, you know, how, how supportive they, they were and have always been because especially at the time, it wasn't a very conventional thing to go and, and pursue a career in music. I think there's a lot of risk involved. And so as much as my story is, is a miraculous one and, and a lot of people have one, I do think that there's a very, there is a real concern, you know, with, you know, kind of just saying, okay, go off and make music because, it sometimes is very intangible and immeasurable. And so I understand the, the reservations that people often have about it, but I also think it also speaks to the power of, you know, someone being able to, or parents especially being able to support a dream, even when they might not necessarily fully understand it or support a passion. I think, you know, that can be, in my case, it was music, but for somebody else, it could be acting. For somebody else, it could be politics. For somebody else, it could sort of be anything. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for the way that things things worked out and for and for how supportive they've been. Tell me, has your uh, marketing and advertising degree from from Lackenstar together with the masters have they helped you? Do you think you'd be poorer without that education in your <laughs> music in your music business? Talk to me about that. Yeah, I think you know one. That's a great question, Trevor. One of the things that I always thought that my degree would directly correlate to, you know, if you, if you market, then you can market yourself. That's how, in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> and it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't as causal as that. I think one of the things that I really learned was sometimes the degree and the, and, and the lessons are kind of, I learned a lot about being around people and interacting with people. And it was a big school. And, you know, you go somewhere as a foreigner and maybe one of the only Zimbabwean at the time. And you're having to quickly adapt to different cultures and different behaviors and different people. Maybe you say something in your accent, maybe they don't understand you. And so you quickly, it, it really helps with your emotional intelligence and, and your ability to kind of 
relate with people and to understand people from different places. And because music is full of that, you know, you, you one day you work with a guy from Bolivia, one day it'll be a guy from South Africa, one day it'll be a guy from Jamaica, one day it'll be a guy from London. And it's a constant battle of how quickly can you hear and understand the other person's story and life experience and how quickly can you communicate yours? And so I think the marketing degree in a way actually really helped in, 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 you know, being able to communicate those things and, you know, being able to relate to people. And I think now that the advertising has started to pay off and sort of, you know, learning how to, back then it wasn't really Instagram, wasn't much of a thing and TikTok, but now I think there's all these interesting ways to, you know, to put yourself out there and to create content and, so I'm really enjoying it. And I think the, the parts have finally it's collided and come full circle. Any, I mean, you've already spoken about missing Zimbabwe, um, identity crisis and, and so forth. Speak to me about what you go through there. You must be lonely. Your mom and dad are out here. Your, bro- your two <laughs> brothers are out here. You are the last born. I mean, uh, last born uh, tends to be, tend to be very dependent on everybody else. But you're out there. <laughs> Talk to me about what that experience is like, the loneliness, missing home, identity crisis. Yeah, you know, it's a very real one because I think on the one side, there's the reality of, okay, it's it's such a blessing to be here and to have the opportunity to be here and to be able to, you know, to have the opportunity to pursue the things that I have. But I think it's also such a very challenging experience for not just me, but any person who grows up in one country and has to be in another and, you know, the disconnect and being in the diaspora and the challenges that come with that. And I think the loneliness, it's tricky. I mean, I'm fortunate, I have a lot of friends and that sort of thing, but I think it's it actually highlighted to me how common an experience it is, especially for Zimbabweans because of the big kind of exodus that we had and you know how our social economic situation is. And so I think if anything, it's highlighted to me just how many more people have this experience. And I've sort of become passionate about, you know, how can we bridge that gap and how, you know, can, can, can those things kind of connect a little bit more? Because I think that there's, I mean, there's obviously millions of people, Zimbabweans around the world who are desperate to connect with their roots, whether they be culturally or maybe are unable to come home and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I think music has become one of my own little ways of, of contributing to that. But I think that as far as, you know, the, there's definitely a, a comfort in knowing that there, there are a lot of us in similar situations. And, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's the double-edged sword of, of pursuing something, of traveling, you know, the, 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 the upsides and the downsides. What, what is it that would make Dr. Chai seriously think about uprooting from L.A., packing his bags and coming to Harare? forever <laughs> you know i i think about this all the time and i think the way the world is at the moment especially with music you, you can kind of live anywhere and you can sort of be anywhere as you create but i think one of the things that that i've become really passionate about is actually creating with more zimbabwean artists and creating with zimbabwean producers and I always get messages from from young guys and like producers who are coming up and they say, hey, you know, I'm like 13, I'm 12, I'm still figuring out how, how do you do music? Or, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I just started high school and I really want to figure out, you know, I, I'm, how, how do you, you know, I'm really passionate about music. And I think that for me, it's, you know, it's less a question about settling, but more a question of how to be able to 
have more of an impact and participate in what's going on on the ground a lot more because I think that the music scene in Zimbabwe right now is, is is some really really exciting things happening and there's a lot of really young producers and young artists and and you know young musicians coming up through schools and you know just wondering what are the ways in which we can protect that and 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 grow that and nurture that and so that's something that I think about a lot as far as you know being home more and you know I think every Zimbabwean's dream is to to you know in a perfect world <clears throat> to be at home all things being equal you know mm. What well, what what's the biggest collaboration that uh, you you haven't had an opportunity to get involved in that you'd love to get involved in an African artist whom you haven't uh, been able to catch yet? Uh, there's a few artists that I really really love. I think from back home, I, I really love Takura's music. I think he's incredible. I love the sound. I love everything that he's doing and how he's able to fuse, you know, the the the, the language, the genre, but it's progressive and you know. Is the, I love how how global his music also sounds, but while appealing uh, locally too. Um, I love Burner Boy. I think you know he's one of the the artists that I really enjoy his artistry. Just as far as I think you know, as far as being African and being bold and unapologetically that, I think he he champions that in a, in a way that's very exciting to me. Um, so those are a couple. Okay. I'm going to sing and. Um and embarrass myself and I want, <laughs> I want you to tell me if I should keep my day job or uh, uh, I should get a, LA, I get a come, card for you so I can come get to done. LA come to LA and then you can produce me and this is the song um tea set on the wall um tea eating a Christmas pie hey. is that is that doable <laughs> uh, how, how quickly can you get on the next flight <laughs> How's, how how soon can I get into this room? <laughs> I've heard all I need you to are, hear. You are you are so funny. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me, what is success going to look like for you in the next five to ten years? I think on on a personal level, it's you know the artistry is one thing. You know, selling out tours, traveling the world, arenas, and that sort of thing, but. I think I'm going, I measured more as far as the cultural impact that I will be able to make. And I think that one of the things that I want to use my artistry as a vehicle for is like I'm saying, to be able to, to do a lot of things that allowed me to become the artist that I am back home too. Like I really want to have uh, some clinics going on. I really want to make sure that a lot of the music programs are being preserved because when I look back at my high school career and my uh, my primary school career, a lot of those things are what actually allowed me to develop my skills musically. But I think those are a lot of the things that are neglected in the um, the schooling system. And, and I understand why. But I think that success for me definitely looks like, you know, becoming the artist that I I hope to become so that I can have the impact that I want to have on, on the ground. So I think it's less of a, you know, the charts are one thing, but I think it's my, I'll measure by how many people I'm able to impact and how, how much joy I'm able to spread. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I love that joy. It's, a coming, it's coming across the airwaves, you know, the internet. Thank you. And any shout out to St. George's and Hartman? Hey, shout out to Saints. Come on. I can't wait to go. Shout out to H-Tage. You know, I was, I was, um, a funny story. I, I was actually head boy at St. George's 
when I was there. And <laughs> it's one of those things that we joke about with a lot of my friends from who did go to Saints. No matter how many years go by, it always seems like it was yesterday. And you, you watch a rugby game and snap straight back into that. You start singing the war cries again. In fact, it snaps right back into you being a, a high schooler. So no, shout out to the school and, and, and everything that's going on there. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. There's a lot of exciting athletes that have come out, a lot of exciting musicians that are coming out. And yeah, really ex- excited to see what, what, what's going on for the future. You, you were in the choir at St. George's. Was it St. George's or Hartman? Uh, both of them, actually, yeah. So this singing thing has, uh, has its roots uh, way back. Uh, you know, in in the choir, I was just in the back there, just 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 harmonizing. Just, <laughs> it was actually because it was an old boys' school, so choir was actually a really good excuse to go and interact with the with, with the girls' schools. So so we don't say ah, we don't try and get into choir so that one day we're oh we're singing with cheesy. Then now you can talk to the girls. So you know, I didn't really think that I had much of a voice, but ah, you had to learn to sing to to, to get outside with the choir. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Chai, congratulations for this Latin Grammy Award that you've won. Uh, congratulations. Hey, How so does much. it feel? Uh, I, I, I'm in shock. I'm, I'm still in shock. I think it's just uh, a, a sainty previous. It's one of those things where, you know, I was going about my day and it's not really anything you sort of prepare for or make music anticipating and I just sort of got a call in the middle of the of, of the day to say, hey, did you fight? Did you hear the news? Congratulations. I was like, about what? What's going on? They're like, oh, the Grammys. I said, Grammys? What Grammys? And they said, oh, no, the Latin Grammy nominations just got announced and you're nominated for um, this contemporary album. I was like, wow. Um, so still kind of processing everything, but it was actually a song that we wrote years ago. Wow. And, um, it had been sitting for some time. We'd gotten together uh, with some friends in Miami and wrote this song. Mind you, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it, it was an incredible thing to be a part of. And a couple of months ago, we found out this big uh, reggaeton group, Gente de Zona, wanted to sing the song. So I said, oh, okay, you know, that song from Miami that one time, it should be nice. Next thing you know, the album comes out, you know, you're going about your day and the song, you know, the song wasn't made a single or anything. It was a song on the album. And so sometimes it's difficult to measure your expectations. And then um, lo and behold, one day I was on my way to the studio yesterday and someone called me and just said, oh, congratulations on the news. And I said, what? And they said, you just got nominated. And so, you know, that song from all those years ago ended up coming back around and wow. because it was released on the album this year it got nominated for latin grammy which i'm really really excited about it hasn't sunk with you hey but but what does it mean it hasn't sunk with you but what does it mean from where you are sitting right now i think you know it means that um what i'm doing matters and it means that you know it's i think in any walk of life and in any pursuit it can be a, a challenging one or a lonely one, no matter what industry. And I think there's there's definitely mm. a value in your your work and your creativity being validated and um, being recognized. And, you know, it kind of gives you the spur to carry on going, even all the messages today 
I've gotten so many messages from people back home just saying, wow, I didn't know you was in Zimbabwe and I'm inspired. Thank you so much. And sometimes when you're just in the studio working on music, you know, you forget that the music actually touches people and reaches people and has the ability to change lives. And so I think it's just a constant reminder that, you know, the songs that you do make, no matter when they make, they don't die and they, they live on forever and they take on lives of their own. And, you know, in this instance, it was years ago, but is, you know, changing my life today, but also inspiring someone today. So I think it's just inspiring to, to remember that every time you sit down to write or every time you sit down to create something, you never know whose day could change or whose life it could change or, you know, what impact you could be making. Congratulations, Dr. Chai. I have no doubt, I've, I've said to you before, that your life is just starting. We know we can't wait for more uh, Grammys and for more awards and for you to make Zimbabwe proud and to make your generation proud. So uh, congratulations. Amen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I am fantastic talking to you, but I'm not, I'm not going to let you go before you share any books that you've read, Dr. Chai, that you'd want to recommend to our book-loving audience all over the world. Oh, I love that question. Um, there's a couple actually that I love. Um, one of the most recent ones I read is a book called Atomic Habits by a guy called James Clear. Yeah, and I read that one. Beautiful book. Yeah, go ahead. Did you like it? Yeah, loved it, loved it. Yeah, I think for me, especially in music, it's one of those things where it's you have all these big goals, like you were saying, you know, how do things look five to ten years from now? And you always have a challenge of, okay, but what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis or a minute-to-minute basis? And Atomic Habits really manages to, to, you know, break it down to say, okay, if I do want to become Grammy-nominated, if I do want to become the biggest artist in the world or the biggest anything in the world, the biggest entrepreneur, whatever it is, what are the things that I would need to do on a day-to-day -day basis that can be easy for me or that can be systems? So in music, it might just be like we're saying, showing up to the studio every day and making something, even if it's not the song you're excited about. You say, I, I, I finish a song every day or I finish a beat every day. And maybe you look back in five years and as a result of, of doing those things every day, you know, you've accomplished a lot. So that was, that was a really, really great book. I enjoyed that one. Um, okay. And then another one I read, oh, there's a couple actually. There's a book called um, Shook One by a radio DJ called Charlemagne the God. And mm. um, he's the radio DJ in America and a personality in the hip hop culture. But he wrote this book about mental health. And it was one of the first books that kind of, it was like mental health, but within black popular culture. And so it was the first time, one of the first times, at least I had seen someone in that space talking about mental health because it was a lot of things, you know, he talks about anxiety, he talks about, you know, the, the importance of, of taking care of your mind and, and the ways in which to do that and how, you know, maybe sometimes it's a subject that's frowned upon in culture or difficult to access or talk about, but he manages to talk about it in a way that's, you know, it, it was very relatable to me and, and, and very I loved how courageous it was because for, you know, for, for being a black man in America and also being in the arts and that sort of thing, I think he was just talking about how 
his upbringing, he wasn't able, you know, necessarily to be vulnerable, not to talk about these things and just kind of championing that movement. And I think that it was, it was very, it was a refreshing read. And I think also something very, it's another thing that I'm passionate about. Um, and so I, I, th- I thought that was a really great read as well. I highly would recommend. And then I read a book. Oh, this is a wild card, but I enjoyed this one. And it's a book called Third Culture Kids um, by these two authors, uh, Ruth and Pollock. And this book is basically about children who grow up in the diaspora or people who grow up in countries that aren't the countries of their parents. So kind of one degree removed and so on. Just kind of to your point earlier, just about the challenges of being away from home and this and that, and just kind of the, the, the opportunities that come with that but also kind of the, the being in between, you know, in between cultures and in between music and in between foods and in between. And it's such an interesting read um, just as far as understanding self and kind of, you know, uh, just belonging in different places, but also nowhere at the same time. So I think those are probably the most interesting books I've read lately. I love the last one because um, um, there's many people who are where you are now um, in mm-hmm. terms of being in the diaspora away from home and finding themselves in the middle and sometimes <clears throat> feeling that they don't belong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, so it's, it's a great book. Um, thank you so much for, for recommending it. Um, it's been awesome talking to you. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. And you got I've me singing. Love talking to you too. You got me singing. Can you imagine? Hey, nobody managed to get <laughs> and singing. Dancing. <laughs> and dancing too. <laughs> um, you know, Philip Tendai, Peep, Dr. Chai, you are amazing. We are so proud of you. You, when you win these accolades, uh, when you're nominated for the Grammy for producing and for writing, you must know that there's a lot of us uh, all across the world in Zim, uh, in South Africa, rooting for you. You um, are famous. You say to us, it is possible. Uh, that we can win at home and win abroad, that we, we are talented people. So uh, uh, I'm grateful that you found the time. I'm sure it's 2 a.m. in L.A. right now, and you set up to uh, for us to connect <laughs> and have this wonderful conversation. Your character is very infectious. Um, thank so you. thank you so much, uh, Dr. Chai. Thank you so much. Um, uh, thank you for creating the time. Um, so cheers, but allow me to... Talk to the audience, Dr. Chai, who are all over the world. Uh, we support <laughs> us on a weekly basis. We thank you uh, for, for following us. Remember, we are, we are weekly. We are out on YouTube, 7 a.m. Set 7 a.m. Central African time every Monday to ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations such as one I've had with Dr. Chai out there. Please subscribe, uh, share and like and visit our website convowithtrevor.com until next time cheers to you all